Okay, guys. We have been fortunate, haven't we, with this weather on Sunday mornings? Man, we are grateful, grateful, grateful. We will, we're talking more of a date to come on back together and come on inside. So we have an elders meeting this week and we will be ta- discussing that. So we'll let you know. But from now on, we'll keep it at nine o'clock so that we can try to beat some of the weather here. So appreciate you getting up earlier this morning. The last few weeks, we have been speaking and talking about the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk about the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Today I want to wrap this series up. It started on Pentecost Sunday, uh, three weeks ago, on that first Pentecost Sabbath, 50 days after Jesus was resurrected. The apostles, some wives, and a few others were in the upper room praying. Let me just give you a quick review if you haven't been here. At some point, they, along with 120 other people, went into the temple, and Peter began to preach. The Holy Spirit fell like fire, the Bible says, on all 150 of them, and they began to speak in tongues. The the actual native language of the 16 different nationalities that were present that day in the temple They spoke in the actual tongue of those 16 different nationalities. And so everybody there in the temple that morning knew what they were talking about. They knew what Peter was was preaching. He was preaching the gospel. He was preaching about Jesus. And so on that morning, that day, uh, they along with several others heard the gospel. And 3,000 people accepted Jesus, gave their heart their promise to follow the Messiah that day. This actually was the beginning of the New Testament or the New Covenant Church as we know it. That's considered that day. In Acts 1.8, Jesus told his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came on them and they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the earth. Right now, the ends of the earth have not been reached. It's getting closer and closer. With Cliff Bible uh, Translators estimates that within the next 15 years, everyone in the world will have heard the gospel. And they are the foremost uh, agency that's spreading the gospel. Uh, and it's just amazing when I, when I read that. So it's, it's soon. But Jesus is not coming back until every person has heard the gospel. And we are getting close. We are getting close. The book of Acts is still being written, and we're writing it by continuing the mission that was set out by Jesus and the apostles. It's actually the mission of Mosaic Church to go into all the world and make disciples, Matthew 28. Last week, I shared how the Holy Spirit operated at creation and through several men and women in the Old Testament. People like Samson, David, Joshua, Mary, Ruth, Esther, all received power of the Holy Spirit to do what they were called to do in their time. And today we're reading about them. And the Holy Spirit fell on them. And the Holy Spirit didn't stay on them. The Holy Spirit didn't inhabit the saints. It didn't happen until the New Testament, until Jesus was resurrected and until he went to be with the Father and he left a helper, the Holy Spirit. Now we have the Holy Spirit all the time at salvation. We receive it. 
In that time, the Holy Spirit was used for specific purposes and would fall on people. The Bible, I read all those scriptures to you last week, that it fell on David with power. It fell on Joshua with power. It took the power of the Holy Spirit to birth Jesus through Mary, a 14 or 15-year-old teenager. The Holy Spirit fell with power at different times and different seasons and different people in the Old Testament. We also talked about how our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit and how that relates to the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament tabernacle. And I explained that a little bit last week. You can go back and listen to the message. I also explained last week why we are now all priests and we no longer need a priest to go to God on our behalf. Some religions to this day still teach that. We are all priests, the priesthood of the believer. The veil was ripped. I also spoke on how we can grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity who has a mind, a will, and emotions. And I shared those scriptures last week proving that. We grieve him when we don't treat one another the way Ephesians 4 and so many other scriptures tell us how to treat one another. I I read Ephesians 4 to you last week. And when we don't treat one another with the way that the Lord asks us to treat one another, it actually grieves the Holy Spirit. I said it especially grieves the Holy Spirit when we don't forgive one another. I asked you to go away this week and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to ask, is there anyone, Lord, in my life that I have unforgiveness toward? Is there anyone I have angst toward? Is there anyone, if I saw them in aisle three at Kroger, I would run to aisle five and I would ignore them. I would avoid them. Is there anyone, Lord, in my life that I have unforgiveness for? That is probably the foremost thing that grieves the Holy Spirit. We are to forgive one another. Doesn't mean you trust them if they violated you. Uh, That has to be built back up. But God asks us to forgive one another. And when we don't, totally, totally grieves the Holy Spirit. Lastly, I gave you several examples in Scripture of what the indwelling Spirit does in our lives when we allow Him to constantly fill us. It's a daily, it's a daily choice. You, you can just say, I, I don't feel like living for Jesus today. That grieves the Holy Spirit. But when you say, because the Holy Spirit already lives inside of us, us who are believers, Holy Spirit, I, I really want your will done here today. I really want you to fill me afresh and anew. Your grace is brand new every morning. Fill me afresh and anew this morning, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit just really come alive in my heart and in my life. And when we do that, the the Holy Spirit just continues to do his work. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I, I mentioned that to you last week. Here are a few things that he does. He creates new life. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And he just creates that born again, that new life in us. We are dead to the old life. We are alive in Christ. He also confirms that we are a fellow heir with Christ. That's confirmed immediately in scripture. We become members of Christ's universal church, the big C. We have brothers and sisters all over the world. That's why we can talk to Sri this morning all the way in India, and he's our brother in the Lord. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand and apply scripture. He speaks through us. 
He also enriches our prayer life when we don't know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes on our behalf. The Holy Spirit empowers us to produce godly fruit and the Holy Holy Spirit imparts spiritual gifts to all believers. Those are the two I would like to speak about today. The fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Father, I just ask that you would just let me only say those words this morning that you want me to say. Lord, I pray that everything that comes out of my mouth this morning would be God-breathed. And Holy Spirit, you have total permission to say whatever you want me to say. And so work in my heart here this morning. I have prepared, Lord, and I have studied. Now, God, it's up to you. You just take it from here, Lord, and let your people be blessed and equipped. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, if you would. Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit, not plural, fruits, singular, fruit of the Spirit. It's all one fruit. Galatians 5. One of the primary purposes, guys, of the Holy Spirit coming into a Christian's life is to change that life. Bottom line. It's the Holy Spirit's job to conform us to the image of Christ, making us more like him. It's, it's his job. That's what he does if we will let him. You will know that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life when you start seeing what Galatians 5 calls the fruit of the Spirit. You'll know that something is happening when you start seeing more and more of this fruit in your life. So let's look at verse 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. <clears throat> it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit indwells us at salvation, he begins the work of harvesting his fruit in our lives, called the fruit of the Spirit. These are not works of our flesh, guys. We're we're incapable in our flesh of producing such fruit. But they are products of the Spirit's presence. In our lives. So the more that we submit to the Holy Spirit, the more fruit you're going to see in your life. It's just the way it works. And so through the years, as you grow in the Lord, you should be seeing more and more fruit come forth in your life. And if you're not, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I would just encourage you to check that out. If somebody says to you, man, ever since I've known you, you've been so impatient. That's not a good thing. Or, you know, Rick, I just don't see this in your life or this or this or this. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. That means something's hindering maybe that one piece of fruit from being developed, established, brought forth in my life. And so it's important that you look at that and and listen to people. 
Your and my life will begin to show this kind of fruit the more we allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is the helper. And so we pray directly to the Holy Spirit. The third person, masculine pronoun, we, we pray directly to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Because when the son said, I go to the father and I leave you a helper, the word helper means helper. And so if you're not doing too well in any one area, you say, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you help me? Would you directly help me, Holy Spirit? You live inside of me. I really need your help today. I really need your help in this area. Lord, I'm going to go ask this person to forgive me. Or Lord, I'm having trouble forgiving this particular person. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Would you help me? Guys, I don't know how people make it without the Holy Spirit. I just don't know how they make it. We, we need his help, especially when we blow it. The fruit of the Spirit is in direct contrast with the acts of the sinful nature, which are found a few verses up. Look at verse 16 of Galatians 5. These are a direct contrast to the fruit of the Spirit. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not know, you do not do what you want. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Holy Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, you're not under the bondage to works. You're not under, oh, I've got to work it up. I've got to, I've got to just do, 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 do. And it's all based on what I do. It's not. That's what it means. You're not under bondage to works. It's the Holy Spirit in you and in me. So verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Debauchery means um, sexual acts outside of marriage and excessive you know, thought and acting out in sexual acts. Idolatry, verse 20, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy. Fits of rage. These are all not of the spirit, obviously. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This passage describes all people to varying degrees when they don't know Christ. Every, everything's covered under this one passage I just read to you. For people who don't know Christ, these are the things we used to do before we found the Lord. These are the things that non-Christians do. So let's not let it surprise us when these things happen. They're not under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but the influence of their own flesh. Okay, keep that in mind. They're not under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but the influence of their own flesh. Our sinful flesh produces certain types of fruit that reflect our nature, and the Holy Spirit produces certain types of fruit that reflect his nature. Bottom line, this, God never intended this to be hard. So when we see that we're producing fruit that is maybe along the lines of one of the categories I just read, you're going, that's my nature. That's my flesh. And the Lord said, you're, the flesh is dead. I would encourage you to get John Stroud's message that he gave a few weeks ago. It just so clearly spells it out. And go on our website. It's on there. 
And just listen to that message if you want to understand the difference between the flesh and the spirit and why at times we go into the flesh and why at times we don't you know, bring the spirit into our lives the way we should. He spelled it out so clearly. And I would, it's just a great foundational message that I would encourage you to read that. It, it spells it all out. If you're wondering why you keep going to the flesh, I would just please get that. The Christian life is a battle of the sinful flesh against the new nature given to us by Christ. It's a battle. It's a war. As fallen human beings, we are still trapped in a body that desires sinful things. Bottom line, we're trapped in a body that still desires sinful things. All one has to do is look at the life of Paul and turn to Romans chapter 7. Very famous passage, Romans chapter 7. Here's one of the greatest Christians of all time, and he's going to be very honest with us here. So let's look at his life. Again, credible apostle, wrote most of the New Testament. And here he says in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Verse 17. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Verse 19. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Right here, Paul is just being super honest with us as a Christian. And he's saying the power of sin, if we let it, it can be very powerful in a Christian's life. In a Christian's life. If we don't continue to turn the members of our bodies, our minds, our spirit over to the Lord we're going to do the, the things that our body, our sinful nature, our Adamic nature cries out to us and says, no, this is, this is in you. This is who you are. It's not who we are. But when we turn the members of our body and we turn our minds over to the flesh, it becomes who we are. And then we're doing the things like Paul says, I do all these things I don't want to do. What is going on with me? And he goes on in verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He knows how to live it. He knows the struggles of life. And he's saying, what a, what a wretched man I am. How can I, how can I overcome this? He goes, yes, that's right. Just like he's, we can say the same thing. I can overcome this in the spirit. I can, I can do this through Christ. And he doesn't want us to condemn ourselves. I love chapter 8, first couple of verses. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law, the spirit of life, set me free from the law of sin and death. Amen? I mean, that's it. We have been set free by the spirit of Christ. We do not have to do these things. I've always, ever since I became a Christian, almost 40 years ago, and I ran across Romans 7, I'm going, what? That's how I feel sometimes. That's what I do sometimes. And Paul, the apostle Paul, that pillar of faith, 
He's saying the same thing? Yes. Yes. When we walk in the flesh, we will look like the flesh. When we walk in the spirit, and the, the, the Bible says we can overcome the flesh by the spirit, we have if we stay in the spirit. And just such, such hope. Keep in mind that a Christian will never be completely victorious and always demonstrating the fruits of the spirit. Keep in mind, you will never be completely victorious in displaying the fruits of the spirit. However, one of the main purposes of the Christian life is to continually allow the Holy Spirit to produce more and more fruit in our lives. Year after year, that's what's called maturity. That's what it's talking about when the Bible says, by now you should be eating meat and you're still sucking milk. By now you should be teachers and you're still followers. By now you shouldn't have been playing in those sins. The Bible says to put away childish things. When I was an infant, when I was a child, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, I acted like a child, but behold, I am no longer a child. I put away childish things. And it, it, the Christian life is continually a life of maturity. If you're still doing the same things this year that you were doing last year at this time, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You're stuck. You, you need to get help. You need to go to counseling. You need to talk to one of the elders or deacons. You, you need to have somebody pray for you and hold you accountable. You, you need to do whatever you've got to do. If you are no further along this year than you were last year at this point, something is terribly wrong. Something is terribly wrong. If you're still struggling with the same sin, could be a besetting sin. If you're still struggling with those same sins, guys, come on. We, you need to do whatever you can to get help. Whatever you can to get help. So that's what it's talking about here is we mature and we continue to grow in the Lord. It is possible. It is possible with, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the fruit, singular, all one fruit. That's the fruit of the spirit that will be continually coming forth in our life as long as we submit to the spirit. And that's why it's important that we start with that before we move to the gifts. Because if you have these gifts of the spirit and yet you haven't conquered some and, and we don't see the fruit of the spirit, it gets really, really messy. Really, it could get really, you could become really haughty. You could get very arrogant and prideful. If all of a sudden you've got this powerful gift and you don't have the love behind it, you don't have the patience behind it, you don't have others centered behind it, if it's all about you, you're, you're going to get in trouble. So the fruit of the Spirit is so important. So who doesn't like fruit, eh? So that's, that's it. That's what it's all about. So let's talk about the gifts. If someone who really loves you says that they have a gift for you, doesn't that make you excited? You think about it. Someone says to you, I have a gift for you. It's like, oh, wow, this is cool. I went home Friday night to dinner. Our three 20-something children currently live in Lynchburg, which is such a blessing. It's been the last few months that they've all been together. They've been all over the world, all over the country, and all of a sudden, they're all here. And it won't be forever because I think one of them is getting ready to move again. So uh, I, I trained them up to take risk and to, to do things. I should have done, so, you know, shouldn't have done that. I should have said, stay home. You need to stay in Lynchburg. Uh, but they aren't. Um, but they, they were all here and they've been here the last few months. So Mimi made this awesome dinner on Friday night. So I left here at the church after 
being here all day and I got home looking forward for a, with a nice dinner with my family, my 320-something children. And I get home and I can smell the food as soon as I walked in the door. My second favorite meal. I won't tell you what it is. So I, we have my second favorite meal. And the kids are saying, oh, dad, before we sit down, uh, we need to go somewhere. I'm going, what? Yeah, we, we're not ready to eat yet. Uh, you need to get in the car. I said, what do you mean I need to get in the car? He said, we're going to go get your Father's Day gift. Father's Day is next Sunday. They said, we're going to go get your Father's Day gift. I go, what? And you're like, what? And they're like, you know, this is like, it's hard to surprise me, but they did. They did. So all five of us get in the car. Mimi's driving. And we're heading, I live over behind Kroger on Timberlake. So we're heading out the back way of Grays Mill Road. And I'm going, ah, we're going to Home Depot. Because I did mention to her that I just recently worked with Brian Stroud on my deck. I love this power drill that he had. And he told me he got this really good deal. And I said, you know, yeah, I, I need a power drill or a hammer drill. It was called hammer drill. So I'm thinking, okay, we're going toward Home Depot. That's where every man wants to go. And so I went to, and she, did, she went by Home Depot and she's turning up toward 221. I'm going, huh, we're not going to Home Depot. We're not going to Lowe's. So that's out. So we're heading down 221, coming back into town here, and we're going toward Play It Again Sports. I go, ah, golfing. I just started. I just, picked, I just played golf for the first time last week in nine months since I broke my foot and fell off that stupid ladder. And so I played nine holes of golf. And uh, so they know I like to play golf once a month. And so uh, I think, oh, we're going to go get some used clubs. I played against sports, and we're coming up to play it against sports, and she drove right by. And I'm going, okay, we're not going to play it against sports. So she pulls into CVS Pharmacy over there. I'm going, what is it, CVS Pharmacy? And she said, Rick, we're getting you a year's, first, year's worth of medication. I'm going, no, no. And she, and she backed up. She was faking it. She backed up, and we still go down the road. And we're going down the road, and she pulls into this bike shop over there in 221. I'm going, What? And they said, Dad, we're getting you a bike for Father's Day. And I'm going, oh, because I just mentioned I can't walk like I used to. I used to walk three miles a day, six days a week. I love walking. And so since I broke my foot nine months ago, I will not walk. I'm not giving a negative confession here, but they're telling me I will not walk ever the way that I need to walk. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, I got to get some exercise here. This is not good. I, I loved walking. And so I said, I'm gonna think I'm gonna ride a bike. So I took Mimi, Mimi as, as a bike. I took it out a few week, couple weeks ago. I said, you know, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. I rode around the neighborhood. And so they said, dad, and they pull this bike out. Oh my goodness, this beautiful bike that I got for Father's Day. And it was like, you gotta be kidding. It was like, it brought me back to when I was 12. And I got my first Western Auto bike uh, that I couldn't believe that I was getting. And it was like that gift. I, it was like, I was so excited the whole time driving there. Even though they're driving by everywhere I thought we were going, I'm thinking, where are we going? But it was just the excitement. Imagine that, guys, when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we have been given gifts. And you would, you would think, oh, oh, what is it? What is it? What is it? I can't wait to find out. Where are we going? What am I getting? What's, what's God given me? And he gives, he imparts these gifts at salvation. And we all get them. And to me, you need to find out what he gave you. 
It's so exciting when you find out how God has blessed each and every one of us who know him. The day you said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sins. I'm going to follow you and make you Lord and leader and savior in my life. Bam. At that point, we're imparted gifts of the Holy Spirit. And man, I just want you to find out what they are because they're free and they're given to us. Some of you know you're gifting because you've been a Christian for a while. And you've been serving the church long enough to discover just what your gift is. Because they're used within the church, first and foremost. They're given for the church, first and foremost. I'll explain that in a minute. There's another group of you who have been given, you've been a Christian for a while as well. But because you have chosen to stay on the sidelines, and you've been chosen to stay in the bleachers, and you haven't gotten on the field, um... You, you don't really fully know what your gift is. The church a lot of times has been described as a football game. In a football game, you have 22 men on the field sorely in need of arrest, cheered on by 80,000 sorely in need of exercise. Okay? And so that's a lot of the way the church sometimes has been described, that 2080 rule. And I don't want anybody sitting in the bleachers. Okay? We're to be on the field. We're to be getting scarred up, messed up, bloodied up. You know, that's, that's why God gave us those gifts, not to sit on them. We're to, we're to be using them. There's another group of you who haven't been a Christian for very long, and you're still trying to figure out what your gift is. That's okay. Okay, continue, continue to stay in the game. Don't, don't say, well, I'll just sit on the bleachers. No, stay in the game. Stay on the field. Get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid to take risk. Don't be afraid to fail. That's how you're going to find out. It's, it, could, it could get messy at times. That's all right. We don't mind messy. But get in, the, get in the game and figure out why. It's a process of elimination. You get this unction. You feel like, oh, I, I want to do that. I want to do it. Well, do it. Do it. And then you're going to find out what has God put in you. Maybe uh, your whole life you've been afraid to fly. I've met people over the years who have been afraid, afraid to get on an airplane. But what they didn't know is that God called them to be a missionary. God called them to Africa or to India or to Guatemala or Dominican Republic. And you're not going to walk there. Okay. And so they're like, oh, oh. and then finally, one day they get up the courage to take a flight to Zimbabwe. And all of a sudden, while they're there, these gifts come pouring out of them that they didn't even know that they had. And all of a sudden, they see a part of themselves. They're like, what? This is like supernatural. You think? You know, that's, yeah, it's supernatural. It's not just natural. God put these gifts in you. You finally got the courage to get on an airplane and fly to Zimbabwe. And while you were there, your life has never felt so fulfilled. Your life has never been so overflowing. You've never seen such amazing things. Your prayer life, everything happened. Maybe you laid hands on somebody and they got healed because God's given you the, the gift of miracles or healing. Maybe all of a sudden you're praying to the Lord and all of a sudden tongues come out of your mouth and that didn't happen here because you were supposed to go there. And all of a sudden God just really empowered you by his spirit. And you're like, whoa, what is happening to me? It was fear. That was holding you back. The Lord did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity. Power, strength, a sound mind. Just to do what God called us to do. You've got to step out, loved ones. You've got to step out. And let the Lord just, just pour his life. In. It's already there. It's already in you. And just let the Lord bubble up inside of you. But take some risk and find out 
why you're here. You're not just here to be a spectator. You're not just here to take a, a warm seat in a pew. You're here to get involved. There's another group of you who are pretty sure what gifts you have and what gifts that God gave you. Or you're, you're at least willing to try something. But you've been told over the years because of a past sin or a divorce or a mistake that you made that you're not qualified. I have met so many people in the body of Christ who have been squelched, just held down because of a past mistake, a past sin, a divorce, something that they did, and some insecure or controlling elder or deacon or pastor is going to keep you in your place because you're not qualified because of something you've done in your past. Guys, if you're in a church and you have that kind of controlling pastor or elder or deacon, or that somebody who's that insecure that will not let you do and be who God's called you to be, this is what I would counsel you to do. Leave the church, okay? Leave the church. That pastor or elder or deacon's probably not gonna change. They're probably not gonna change. And you will never find your place if you're under somebody that always says to you, no, no, no. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't. Did you, I, you know, let's talk about what you did, Rick. No, no, no. Leave the church. Leave the church and find another church and find another shepherd or elder who will let you be all that God's called you to be. No man or woman has the right to put a lid on you. No man or woman has a right to put a lid on you. You are forgiven. You walk in humility you've taken care of whatever mistakes or sin or whatever you've done in your life. And then you move forward in your life. Doesn't mean there's going to be a time of growth, maybe depending on what you did, that maybe you'll sit on the sidelines a little bit just so the other people around you can see the maturity and the growth and the lessons you've learned by your mistake or something. But does that mean for the rest of your life, you're you're never going to be able to be all that God created you to be in the body of Christ because of a past sin? No, no. God's grace is brand new every morning. You are forgiven. Let's walk in it. Amen? Amen? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's look at the gifts. Let me state right up front. Let me state right up front that I believe all the gifts of the Spirit were not just for the early church, but for the church, past, present, and future. I believe all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not just for the past, Okay, I believe they are for the present and obviously for the future. Having said that, I also believe that certain gifts are manifested in different ways with different frequency at different times in history. Okay, let me say that again. I believe that certain gifts are manifested in different ways with different frequency at different times in history. Okay, so it's important that you understand that. And we see that all throughout history. That's up to God. It's not up to us. He moves in different ways at different times. And you just look at the scripture. Look, in, look at our world. He moves at different times and different seasons and different ages in history. And that's up to him. He's the one that's in charge of that. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He sees the whole plan, guys. We don't. We look from earth to heaven. He looks from heaven to earth. He sees it all. We see in part. We see in part. I like this scripture that says that. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read this to you. Now, we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, 
Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. We don't see the whole picture. He does. He knows what needs to happen in 2020. He knows what needs to happen in 2025. He knows who he's preparing right now for the future. He knows the, the time that we were born and he felt that we, were, we needed to be born and in this world and using the gifts that we use at the time that we were born. He ordained the steps of our life from the foundations of the earth in that dark place, which means womb in Psalm 139. When I formed your inner being, when I formed you in your mother's inner being, you're the womb. I ordained the steps of your life before one of them even came to be. He, it's not a mistake, guys. It's not a coincidence, no matter how you came into this world, that you were born the year you were born. For such a time as this. And then will you say, and he and she serve God in their own time. As David said, and he and she serve God in their own time. You're, you're not here by mistake. You were born and you live in 2020. Why? Why? What, what, what's going on in our society that your gifting and your unction is needed right now? What, what are you passionate about? What breaks your heart? Why are you here? Why am I here? What, what is the reason? It's not a coincidence. I don't care if you came in as a bastard child. I don't care if it was an illegitimate birth. I don't care how you came in here. God wanted you here right now, right now for this time. Why are you here? Why are you here? And that's, that's the question for the ages. So let's break down the gifts. There are basically three main passages of scripture describing the spiritual gifts or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, and 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Those are the three main passages that talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's some overlap of these gifts in these three passages, and, that, and that's fine. Turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Book of Romans, chapter 12, if you would. Romans 12. Verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, the power given to you by God, the measure of faith that God has given you. Just as each of you, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Verse 5. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift, woman, is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his, his or her faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Let him do it cheerfully. I love how Paul started this by saying, let's make sure we keep sober judgment. Again, walk in the fruit of the spirit. Let's make sure we stay humble here because there's some power that I have given you at salvation. If you, catch, if you let that power get a hold of you, 
you could get real haughty and you could get real arrogant. So I want you to keep sober judgment here. Make sure you, you stay humble. So that was the first section of gifts. Let's look at the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Turn to next book over. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men, all women. Now, verse 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge. By the means of the same spirit, to another, faith. By the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits, discernment. To another, speaking in different kind of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. It's not up to you. It's not up to me. It's up to God. He is the one that determines why in 2020 you have these gifts. And they weren't intended to be sat on. They weren't intended to be buried. He's saying, you're going to be alive in 2020. The world is going to be crazy. I have given you gifts that are going to help the kingdom. I have given you gifts that it'll be so powerful in you that you're going to be a powerful witness for me. First in the church and then in the world. You are, you are, you are here for a purpose. I did not make a mistake when I brought you forth from your mother's womb the year I brought you forth. So before we get on to the last set of gifts I, that Paul's going to talk about, I love how he brings context here. He, he cushions in between the two sets of gifts. He cushions this uh, section of scripture, and you'll know why. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. The body is, is a unit, though it is made of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given to one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts of the body, parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, 
but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. So here, here we start out in Romans and then we go to the first part of 1 Corinthians 12 and we're given this list of gifts. And before he gets to the last main list of gifts, he puts this passage of scripture in there. And it's obvious why. He wants us to make sure that we don't lord over one another with our gifts. He wants to make sure that everything is fitly joined together in the body of Christ. He wants to make sure that when one hurts, we all hurt. When one gets glory or rejoices, we all rejoice with them. That's so important that we keep that mindset. Because I've been in churches where somebody maybe had more of a public gift and everybody knew it and you couldn't go to anybody else unless you went and unless that person spoke, uh, we haven't heard from God this morning. And that's just not, that's not what this scripture is saying. We are all working together. We are all working together. And at different times, you could all of a sudden realize you have this new gift. It's been with you from the beginning of your salvation probably. There's a couple of times in scripture where gifts were given after salvation, First Timothy and such, but not normally. And so you would receive this gift and then all of a sudden it's 10 years later before you realize what you've been given. Because as the Bible says, you earnestly sought after it. You said, you know, I think I want to study this gift. I have this unction that I may have that gift. You know, when I prayed for that person, something happened. Or when I was praying the other day in my closet, something happened. Or when I was praying, I don't know why God put this person on my mind. And then I checked it out at church that next day and just went up to them. And I was bold and said, you know, are you okay? Yesterday at four o'clock, God really laid you on my heart. What? Are you kidding? Let me tell you what was happening at four o'clock. So maybe God is giving you this, this intercession that you didn't realize that you had. And he is using you to intercede on behalf of that person. And I don't know. And so it's important that we earnestly seek after and just really study and say, God, what did, what did you give me? Move on your unction, move on your unction. And then he goes to this last section in first Corinthians 12, 28 and the church and in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles. These are offices, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles. Then we get into the gifts and those having gifts of healing, those who are able to help others, those with gifts of administration. Thank you, Jesus. And those speaking in different kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? The answer to all these questions is no, no. Even though there's, I was saved in a, in a denomination that said unless you spoke, spoke in tongues, you weren't saved. That's heresy. That's not true. But I was saved under that. So God used, you know, that denomination to bring me to the Lord. But then after I started studying, I said, I got to get out of here. This is not scriptural. This is not scriptural. And so 
Not everybody has all the gifts. Many in the Corinthian church were abusing the gifts, especially the miraculous gifts. They were abusing them. And so Paul had to bring order to the church at Corinth. Paul was saying, use what God has given you specifically and use it for the good of all in the church, not just to draw attention to yourself. And so Paul was basically rebuking them and saying, my dear brothers and sisters in Corinth, stop. They were even receiving communion in an unholy manner. Stop, stop. And you're all, you know, out there doing this, all this stuff, stop. Yeah, by the way, I didn't give you that gift. You're mocking somebody else. That's not, that's not the gift I gave you. What are you doing? And Paul's saying, you just time out, Corinthian church, time out. We need to bring order because the, the gifts are processed in decency and in order in the church. It's, it's not out of, it never should be out of order. And when it functions that way, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. If someone gives a tongue, there has to be an interpretation. There has to be an interpretation publicly. What you do privately is one thing. But if somebody blurts out in tongues at Mosaic, there has to be an interpretation. Scripture is very clear. First Corinthians, as we study deeper of that, there has to be, or it's out of order. And so you would just gently go up to that brother and sister and say, excuse me, um, we have not heard an interpretation of what you just blurted out. So I'm wondering if maybe that was for you personally. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to just go and pray. Now that doesn't mean that somebody could be being disobedient and they've got this gift of interpretation. They've, they've been like, oh, what he was saying, I knew in English. What she was saying, I knew in English, but they were too afraid. They didn't get on the airplane. They were too afraid to speak out thinking, how come I understood? Imagine an Acts in the temple, 16 different nationalities. The apostles are speaking in tongues in 15, 16 different languages. How do they know my language? Because it was a spiritual language that was given at that time. Same thing today. But somebody may be disobedient and say, I'm too afraid. Or they come up. I've had this happen when I was, I was in charismatic Pentecostal churches for 20 years. So my first 20 years, somebody would come up to me after service and say, Rick, I need to ask you to forgive me. Why? Because I had the interpretation of that tongue and I didn't do it. I was too afraid. I was too afraid. Rick, I knew every word they were saying. Wow. Okay. Well, let's try harder than the next time if that happens again. And then I would go in front of the church the following Sunday. I'll say, listen, something happened last Sunday. I want you guys to be aware of. You remember when so-and-so spoke in tongues? And I would have the person with me. And it was just affirming. I would say, Katie had uh, the interpretation of that tongue and was too afraid to say it. So let's affirm Katie in her gifting. Can we, church? Yay, Katie! Go, Katie! You can do it! You know, be all that God's called you to be. And do you go on? Okay? So there's so much flakiness in Pentecostal circles and charismatic circles. And I can understand why people would be afraid of that. And I can understand why people would misunderstand and twist scripture and things like that. I can understand that. I really can. But guys, it's in the book. I don't see where he said, and now these stop. And now these stop. I, I just don't see that. So any, amen. So here we are. We have all these other gifts that God has given so I want you to find out what your gift is. Okay, there's aids out there. There's certain books. I mean, we have just have a plethora of books out there on the spiritual gifts that you can study. And you can say, I think I have the gift of prophecy. All right, what does that look like? What does that look like? 
And so you, you study and you say, you know something? I'm going to find a book on this. Rick, you got any ideas for good books? Yeah, I do. And so you say, oh, my, my library is full of them. And so I would be happy to, to turn you on to some of that. Some of it when it comes to spiritual gifts. Okay, you say, there's, there's these aides out there like the Peter Wagner. This came out in 1976. I got saved in 1980. And I ended up in 1980, somebody put this across me. And they said, after I came to the Lord, they said, Rick, now that you're a Christian, you have been given gifts. I didn't know what they were talking about. And so they're like, here, take this test. And um, as you're serving in the body and doing things like that, you're, you're going to probably find out why God really called you and what you're supposed to be doing. And then over the years, I've taken this thing like 15 times. And it's good because you just confirms what God has called you to. And what is it is your passion? And so we did this a couple, three times here at Mosaic. And I would just order it. It's $5, $3, I think, $4 online. And just get this and fill it out. And there's several others like it. And I would just say, find out what God put in you. It's, it's just so, so important. There's probably no better way to find your spiritual gift than to actually move on your unction. Move on what God has put inside of you. There's probably no better way to find it. You just got to do it. And guys, don't worry about messy. Okay, it will be messy at times. So what? So what? We'll get over it. And, but I want you to just be all that God called you to be. I can think of any, no worse thing. Oh, God, wait, Dad, we're going to go get your Father's Day gift. And they just kept driving. And then we went back home. And, I, and we didn't do anything. That, that's not fair, you know? No, I got this brand new, awesome bike. And I can't wait. And I already was on it last night. I'm like, Mimi, I'm going for a ride. I'll be back. I need to get my blood pressure up going, or maybe down. So it was like, you know, awesome. But God doesn't mess around. He's like, yeah, I've given you this. Use it. Right after I got saved at 22, I soon realized my life would have been so much better growing up if I had known the Lord. Man, man, oh man. In the home of an abusive alcoholic, even though it would have still been hard, if I would have known the Lord as I found him on April 1st of 1980 at 22, oh, after I met Jesus, I realized I now had the answer to life's pain and heartaches. I now had the answer. And then it, it broke my heart to think that any other teenager would go through what I went through as a teenager. And now, now I'm sitting at 22 with the answer. And all of a sudden the church says, comes up to me in Las Vegas and said, uh, we'd like to start a youth group. Uh, anybody want to serve? Anybody want to help? And so one of the elders came up to me. I was 25. I was like 22 or 23, 23 at this point. Um, Rick, we got three kids in the youth group. Um, you look like a good candidate. He didn't even know me. He said, you look like a good candidate. Would you like to love on these kids? And I'm thinking, oh, wow. Yeah, I, now I don't know what I'm doing. I, I mean, I, whew, I haven't been to cemetery. You know, I, I don't know what I'm doing and stuff. So it's like, Rick, they said, listen, we see your heart. We will train the head. You let us take care of the head. We, we love your heart. And I thought, huh, I never forgot that statement. We'll, we'll send you anywhere in the country, Rick, you want to go. You tell us where the best youth seminars are, the best conferences, the best leadership conferences, and we're going to send you. And they did. They sent me all over the country 
to I would just look at Group University or Leadership Summit or whatever there was out there in the country, training youth pastors, youth directors, and I would hop on an airplane, go sit in a conference, come back, learn all this stuff, buy any book that I wanted to buy. My library is full of books helping at-risk youth. And I just studied. And I said, Cause, but it was in me. I wanted to help others. I now had the answer. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. And I don't want any other kid to go through the pain that they're going through without Jesus. And so I'm thinking, how can I make this palatable? How can I have kids get turned on about Jesus? How can I have people? How can I have the message be the message, but the method has got to change? So how do we get kids to back to church? You know, at the time in 1985, video games, not you know, computer games, but actually pinball machines, Pac-Man, all this stuff, Gorf, all these different, they were a hot item. So I'm thinking, why don't we fill the youth room with all these video games and ping pong tables and pool tables and air hockey and foosball. And so you walked into our youth room. It's like, oh, it was like heaven for these at-risk youth. They were like, man. And there's like, this is church. They didn't look like church because kids aren't running to church. Okay. So we didn't want it to look like church. We wanted it to look like something they would go to. And they just kept coming and coming and coming. And the Lord just blessed it and he honored it. But it was because I just had an opportunity to, to use the gifting that God had given me. And so a few months later, uh, they said, Rick, we want to hire you full time. I was driving UPS truck, making lots of money at the time. And they said, we want you to quit your day job and we want to hire you. I'm thinking, oh, wow. And I knew, I knew it was kind of time to do that. I was driving into work one day and there was no cell phones at the time. So I pulled over to 7-Eleven I put, got a pay phone and I called my boss. I said, I'm going to quit my job. I'm giving my two-week notice. He said, come on in here and clean out your locker, Rick. Go do what God's called you to do. He was a Christian, my boss. Go do what God's called you to do. I went and cleaned out my, offer, my locker, and I went over and started full-time with the church. And I've been in full-time, youth, full-time ministry ever since then. I was 25, and Mimi was 20. And we only had been married for a few months. We didn't know what we were doing, but the Spirit did. I had no clue what I was doing. I just knew I loved teenagers. And we went on to lead the largest youth group in the whole state of Nevada. I mean, it was a God thing. Because again, I did not know what I was doing. I knew how to love, but I didn't know what I was doing as far as reaching these rough, rough kids. But I was one of those rough, rough kids. So it was hard for them to lie to me. I caught them every time because they were posing. And I was the biggest poser there was. Says, oh, I didn't get drunk last night, Rick. Or I'm not high. Come here. Look at my eyes. Oh, I'm okay, Rick. Really? I'm fun. Look at my eyes. They were hiring a kite, coming to the youth group. I'm going, get in here. You know, we need to take care of that wacky tobacco that you're, you know, doing before you come here. Okay, we need to stop that stuff. So it's just, and then they get saved. And all of a sudden, I wasn't worried about their costume. I wasn't worried about their painting and their piercing. I wasn't worried about their language. I wasn't worried about all that because that's all outward stuff. Okay, I wasn't worried about changing their costume. I was worried about changing their heart. Because once the heart changes, the costume changes. Okay, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, so their heart needed to change. And so once their heart changed, they're like, why am I dressed like this? Why am I always cussing? Why am I getting high before youth group or during youth group in the bathroom? Why am I getting high? You know, it's like, I need to change that. And God just changed these kids. It was amazing, amazing. So... God just took our past and combined it with his gifts and we sprouted where we were planted. The same thing happened in Lynchburg when we moved here. 
27 years ago, 28 years ago, I saw a need for the youth on Ward's Road. There was nothing to do here 30 years ago. And kids were cruising. It's all in the paper every morning, the destruction on Ward's Road. And I'm going, we got to get these kids off the street. And so I just had an idea and I went to my pastor. I said, can we, can we open up the building on the weekends, Friday and Saturday night, the two nights the kids sin the most? Can we go ahead and open up the, the building and give these kids a place to go? And they're like, yeah. And that started this ministry called Straight Street. It didn't look like church, okay? It didn't, it, it was cars and, and motorcycles hanging from the ceiling and all the stuff I've told you in the past. We just took the outside in. We brought their turf inside. They were used to their turf. I'm thinking, why can't we bring their turf inside? Phone booth, traffic lights, fire hydrants, you name it, we brought inside. And then they walked inside and go, oh, this feels really comfortable because this is what we're used to on the street. And so we named it Straight Street. And I had no idea that that was going to go national, but it did. It went all over the country. Okay, just sprout where you're planted. Again, I didn't know what I was doing when I started a teen center. I'd never done that before. But God just, we made a lot of mistakes. Okay, but we learned from every one of them. And Mimi and I just rolled up our sleeves. Listen to this statement. God takes our availability and gifts us with certain abilities. And we get a chance to live the abundant life. Amen. God takes our availability and he gives us and he gifts us with certain abilities and we get a chance to live the abundant life. It doesn't get any better than that. It just doesn't get any better than that. You can't be afraid to fail or fall or take risk. Otherwise, you'll never accomplish your purpose. You can't be afraid to fail. You can't be a consumer. You need to be a contributor. You're not here to be served. You're here to serve. Be faithful with a few things and watch God expand that to many things. If you can't do something big, then do something small. But do something, anything at all, okay? Anything at all. Just sprout where you're planted. When you see a need, meet it. When you have an unction, function. What breaks your heart, that also, you know also breaks the heart of God. Get in front of it. Stop procrastinating and stop saying, yeah, but. Yeah, but. I hate those two words. Yeah, but. Comma equals excuse. Every time you hear somebody say, yeah, but, just stop them. Say, oh, wait, 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 stop. I can't wait to hear your excuse. I just can't wait to hear your excuse. Because every time somebody says, yeah, but, an excuse is coming out of their mouth. Yeah, but, Rick, it's too hot, or it's too cold, or it's too hard, or it's too far over there, or it's too much money, how am I going to, or it's too dangerous, or it's too political, or it's too white if you're black, or it's too black if you're white. Stop the yeah, but. Stop the yeah, but. And just roll up your sleeves and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Use me. Send me. No more yah buts. And don't be afraid to fail. Stop making excuses. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. You don't, don't see color. You just do what God has called you to do, no matter where that is. No matter where that is. The power of the Holy Spirit lives in you and me, and he's no respecter of people. He's no respecter of people. He has gifted you, and he's gifted me with spiritual gifts. He has, all of us. He won't waste the pain you've been through. He actually wants to combine it with your gifts. He actually wants to combine the pain in your life with your gifting. And the more you step out in faith, the more fruit you're going to see. It just works that way. And loved ones, it will be fruit that abides, that goes on long after you go on. You want fruit that abides. The key is to not stop living before you die. Don't stop living before you die. Don't bury or sit on the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave you at salvation. The kingdom needs you. The kingdom needs your creativity. 
It needs you. I'll never forget a year or so ago when Rick Brennanson came up to me. He said, Rick, I've got this unction. I have this desire to help men. I know what I've been through in my life. And I, if I'd have just been able to go to a retreat or something where men were just men. And they were, Rick, I know he, I could almost feel him say, you're probably going to say no because other pastors have said no to me because of my past. You're probably going to say, but could I, could you what? Could I kind of put together a men's retreat? Yeah. When do you want to start? It's like, he, I don't think he could believe that I said yes. I said, yeah. And then he did a fabulous job. He put a team together. We're all in his house every week leading up to the men's retreat we did a few months ago. The guy is just a, a beast when it comes to organization. We had all these papers laid out for us. Every time we got there, he said, this is what we need. He kept us on track through the whole several weeks before we went to the retreat at Smith Mountain Lake. Did a fabulous job. Fabulous job. He, he took another chance. He, he just said, I, I hope maybe this is the church. This is the leadership that'll let me do what I need to do. Last week, I spent five hours with Albert Jennings. He and I just spent five hours together talking about things that have been in his heart for years and years and years. We spat in my office and we just whiteboarded and I just let him pour it out. And it was like, he said, the first time that anybody has listened to me. It's the first time that anybody let me finish my sentences and talk. Everybody's just always abused and used my gift. He said, but Rick, you just listen. And he's got uh, stuff inside of him that is going to benefit Mosaic. And it's also going to benefit, benefit churches around the country because of what God has put in him. And now it's just being fleshed out. And I know God's calling him to something amazing, amazing ideas that will just flourish the church. This week, I'll be meeting with a young couple I recently married. They came to me four weeks ago, five weeks ago, and said, Rick, um, can we meet with you? Kind of, you know, sheepish. Yeah, absolutely. We, we got this idea. They were not married yet. We got this idea, and they threw this idea at me that I'm going, oh, what an amazing idea. They're like, really? I said, oh, I could just see that thing taken off. That is going to be amazing. Amazing idea. Well, you know, we're getting married. I said, yeah, I know I'm marrying you. So we're getting married here in a little bit. After we're married, can we talk more? They called me, right? They've only been married. I only married a couple, three weeks ago. And they called me this week. They said, Rick, we're ready. Uh, we, we're, we got more ideas that we want to throw at you. We've got, we're excited about this. Can we meet with you this week? So we will meet this week. We'll talk about this. Glow, her amazing ideas for the arts. The arts need to be brought back into the church. Amen? They need to be brought back into the church. You think, you think God brought her here by coincidence? No, it's a divine appointment. Mosaic. You think we should talk about the arts? Come on. Yes, it's mosaic. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. Bob and Jeannie have these amazing ideas for missions. A new way of doing it. It could be through sports. It could be through seminars and teaching. It could be empowering the locals. Whatever. Just listening to their hearts every time we get together going, that's kind of a new idea for missions. Yeah, can we do it? Can we do it? Jessica had dinner the other night, Carlton and Jessica. And she was talking, Rick, I got this idea I want to throw at you about counseling in the church. I just graduated with my master's degree in counseling. And I've got this idea that's burning in me. Can I present it to you? Yes. Yes. Could we put? Yes. Yes. Can you think? Yes. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, don't sit on those gifts. Okay, Carlton and my son Levi approached us and they said, uh, we got some ideas for a concert in the parking lot. We have this amazing parking lot here in, at Mosaic. Could we do like a summer concert series? Not just all Christian music, but we have jazz and rock and clean stuff. But we have nights where we just fill this parking lot. 
Can we do a large screen? I already talked to the manager. He says, I'll build it for you, Rick. We'll do a large screen, but we'll have nights where we just bring up the flatbed trailer and just do concert ministry here. All for what? We're fishers of men. It's just bait. It's just bait, okay? We're fishers of men and it works. It just works. People come and like, man, you guys got amazing cheesecake. Yes, they come for the cheesecake. They stay for the, you know, anyway, you know, it's just like, yes, it's awesome. Awesome. So just let's get off our seat. Let's do it. What about the rest of you? The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit, loved ones. Let, let God just grab a hold of you. He's put all this stuff in you. He wants to work through you and just say, Lord, here I am. What did you give me? At salvation, I want to use everything. I don't want to ever get to heaven and think, hear from the Lord, I gave you seven gifts, Rick, and you used two. I can think of no worse thing that could be said. I gave you seven. I gave you four and you used one. I gave you one and you buried it. What? No, no. Guys, exhaust yourselves for the Lord. Exhaust yourselves for the kingdom. It's not just you. It's God in you and it's all there. It's all there. You are an amazing, peculiar, but you're an amazing people. You are an amazing people. And God wants to do amazing things through you. Amen? Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Daddy, 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 Abba Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that we can just be out here in the middle of a parking lot. Thank you for that, Lord. As Carlton said, God, we're just grateful for being alive this morning. We're grateful, Lord, for what you've done for us already before we even got out of bed this morning. And I just pray, God, for each and every one of us today. Oh, dear Jesus, I pray that we would go and we would just follow up on those unctions that you have put inside of us, that we would take a risk, that we would stop fearing, stop being timid, uh, stop finding excuses. Lord, every one of us in this parking lot who knows you is gifted in an amazing way, an amazing way, and it's to be used in the church. And then when the church does what the church can only do, the hope of the world is the local church. The hope of the world is the local church where Jesus is welcome and the Holy Spirit is active and alive. And we can love one another. When people walk in, they can't believe that they, we love each other the way that we love each other and we become equipped and we go out tomorrow morning and we use all the gifts that God gave us and we are bolder and we're more profound in what we're saying because we have the confidence of the Lord Jesus in our lives. So Father, make us and help us to be all that you created us to be. And we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys.